remember, in the course of discussing movies, the host will spoil plots. You've been warned. Listen to their screams. Greetings, ghouls and creeps, and welcome to Listen to Their Screams, a horror podcast that feels like you're chatting with friends. I am one of your friends, Dave. We're joined, as always, by your other friend, Ike. Ike, how are you? I'm doing pretty spectacular. Um, I I got something pretty fun to talk about when we talk about our uh, movies we watched this week, so I'm excited for that. Interesting, interesting. Okay, well, there's a little little, tease here to start off, but uh, give us just a minute before we get there. (laughs) On this episode, we are reviewing Skeletons in the Closet, which is available now on Shudder or AMC+. Uh, but before we get to that, we have lots of news, et cetera, et cetera, and whatever Isaac wants to talk about. Isaac wants to talk about it. Thank you to our wives, our listeners, and our followers uh, for all your support, your whatever, your contributions, our discussions, and everything you do to make this podcast a growing success. Uh, so uh, that brings us to it, Ike. Uh, we're going to, we're to the what did we watch. Uh, let me start real quick because mine's pretty simple. I didn't really watch anything. I'm still doing my Buffy watch through, so it's been pretty much Buffy nonstop all the time. So <laughs> there it is. Uh, and it's remarkable the number of people who were in Supernatural who were in Buffyverse. It's just remarkable. I mean, just blows my mind. So uh, there you have it. So, okay. You, you, you teased this at the top. So uh, what did you watch this week, Ike? So um, this is a two-parter, okay? So I, I, I specifically watched two series. Um, and so I'll start with the shorter of the two, uh, which was the films uh, Wolf Creek. Um, and there's also a TV show called Wolf Creek. Now, okay. I I have still been stuck on like watching a bunch of random shit on Tubi. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, Wolf Creek and one and two, it is a slasher kind of film. Um, I say kind of film just because it's not your typical slasher Um in fact, it is supposedly based on the true story. Not totally sure how accurate that is. Um, but basically, it is the story of the serial killer, Mick Taylor, um, who is not a real person, but is supposedly modeled after a real serial killer in the 90s and 2000s and the Australian Outback. Um, so basically, there's two movies and a uh, two seasons of a web series all of which are available on Tubi. And I have to say, the movies are all right, but the, sh- the show is remarkable. Um, season two, in my opinion, is even better than season one. Um, it's just such a good slasher mo- movie, slasher TV show. has a very interesting story and a very believable story at that. Um, so it, it's, just, it's pretty great. And the guy who plays Mick Taylor, he reprises his role in all of them, but his name's like uh, John, Ger- I, think it's, I think it's John Gerrott. Um, but he's great. Um, you know, he's he's just he's funny, just genuinely just a good movie. So if nobody's seen that, check it out. Well, you know, you were wrong, though. There is actually a real Mick Taylor, uh, but he actually just he played guitar in the Rolling Stones at one point in time. So I don't think it's the same guy. So I don't think so. <laughs> you never know. You never know. That's true. But uh, All right. <laughs> so my second part. Um, and this, this part wasn't as fruitful as the first part. Um, mm-hmm. 
I, I sat down and I watched uh, all, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Is that right? All eight of the Howling movies. Um, I, I don't know what compelled me to do this. I want to say that in the last couple of weeks, there was maybe like a, a an anniversary for like the Howling or Howling 2. Um, but holy shit, dude, these movies are just awful. Um, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, the first one's all right. Uh, but after that one, it just, it takes a steep decline. Um, but so I just have a couple of notes cause I know I can't talk about all of them, but first and foremost, Howling 2 is called Howling 2, Your Sister is a Werewolf. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it was also called Howling 2, Sturba, Werewolf Bitch. Um, uh, so that's great. Mm-hmm. I will say this, that this is one of those like so good it's bad kind of movies or so bad it's good. <laughs> um, it has Christopher Lee in it. I, I don't know how they got him to do the movie. Um, but I mean, good for him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the third one is called the marsupials. That's all you need to know about that movie. Um, mm-hmm. the fourth, the fourth one, uh, was stupid, but they saved the special effects budget for the last 15 minutes. There's a really cool scene where like a guy melts and then turns into a werewolf. Um, Howling five. Don't even remember it. I watched it just a couple days ago. It was so boring. I don't remember it already. Uh, Howling six. The freaks was actually genuinely kind of fun. Uh, it was about carnies who are like different types, types of monsters and shit. Uh, Howling new moon rising, which these names just get better and better. Um, <laughs> it just, it was also called Howling seven mystery woman. It was shitty from frame one, literally probably the lowest budget of all these films. And some of these films are real low budget, but this was like filmed in like some guy's backyard. I'm pretty sure. Um, and then the howling reborn in 2011, which is just a complete reboot of the whole series. And it is the, it is the most high budget film out of all of these, but it still somehow is worse than some of them somehow. Uh, but it, it's just cringy. It was just like a cringy, like teeny bop horror movie. It was just, ugh. None of these movies are remarkable in their own right. Um, I, I, yeah. So I just had to get that out of my system. I could, I could go on forever about the Howling, but it's pro- it's easily one of the most disappointing horror series I've ever watched in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, I have. I've watched a uh, sporadic. I know I've seen the at first two. I don't know how much I've seen beyond that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah they're, much. <laughs> nah. Nah. Not not my favorites, but uh. You know, I, I don't know. Teach their own, I guess. Yeah. Somebody's watching them, I guess, if they keep going that far with them. I, well, I don't know. I was gonna say they made six movies over the span of ten years. Like, I no other franchise has those numbers. Like, you know what I mean? Like, even like Halloween, Friday Thirteenth, Nightmare on Elm Street. Even when they were like heavily pumping out movies, it, there was maybe like two or three movies in within like a ten year period, maybe four, but. This one has six whole movies from 1981 to 1991. And like, nobody stopped to think, maybe we shouldn't be pumping these out like, like, like this. Like, I, somebody just should have said to themselves, maybe this isn't, this, we shouldn't do it like this. But clearly <laughs> nobody had that, the wherewithal to say that. <laughs> yeah. Somebody was dedicated to the franchise. I, I don't know where, but that's a, the whole chain of events. But yeah, somebody was truly dedicated to the Howling franchise. So. They really were. They really were. <laughs> Interesting. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, not fans of the Howling here. Uh, everybody give us some feedback. What do you think of the Howling franchise? Yeah. Uh, 
are, are any of them redeemable in your eyes or do you like them all? Do you whatever? I don't know. Uh, I do love me some Christopher Lee, but yeah, he didn't save that movie. And, uh, no, he sure didn't. He sure um, didn't. <laughs> Nothing he, he was must, saving that movie. <laughs> he must have just been taking a payday there or something. I don't know. Or I don't know. But, the, uh, the strangest thing that I don't mean to keep going on, this, the strangest thing about the howling too, as well, is that like they keep making vampire references. And like, I can't tell if it's because like whoever made the movie got confused between a werewolf and a vampire. Or if like, they're like, Oh, Christopher Lee played Dracula. We need to fit in as many ra- vampire references as we can. So I don't know. I don't know who thought that was a good idea, but it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess even if it's full hearted, I guess the commitment's something to do Marvel. And I guess I don't know. True. True. It's something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's, uh, go to our weekly segment and let's put us on the line for some commitment here. Top three. <laughs> and this week we are going to discuss our top three favorite uh possession movies favorite being the keyword uh there will be uh, my, my list is boring uh people are probably gonna uh, i don't know people are gonna know some of them uh people will probably know my top one it's no surprise <laughs> but uh we'll discuss them anyway um before we dive in i do have a, a couple well no 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 let me don't mention them yet because who knows these might be on your list so I do have a couple of uh, honorable mentions who are knocking at the door of, of breaking into my top three. So, so let's, uh, I'll start. Let's, let's start with, uh, this is our top three favorite possession movies. And at number three, uh, I had to go with the old classic Evil Dead from 1981. Mm. Uh, I, I do love, again, we've discussed it. I like the, the entire Evil Dead franchise in one way or another, varying degrees for different reasons. But I do feel the first one is seriously creepy, seriously spooky. Uh, I, I think the passion in, in the project comes through um, and it's just got, I don't know. It's got that, uh, that character or that heart to it. And, and you know, that, and uh, you know, again, not saying I don't enjoy the other movies, but I, to me, the first one is just, it's just, it's, it's creepy without just, just relying purely on the blood and gore to, to get the effect. I, it is really, you know, kind of creepy to me. So uh, that is my number three, evil dead from 1981. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Evil Dead would almost be on my list as well. It is on my short list of favorite possession movies, but I don't know. I've seen a lot of possession movies. And yeah, there, there's a lot out there. There, There is. And there are some that are very remarkable to me that really stick with me and like are films that like I genuinely will always remember. And that's kind of like the ones that I put on my list is because not only are they enjoyable, but like, you know, they, they have that memory factor. But Evil Dead, I mean... The series is so iconic. Even the worst of the films are still fantastic. In my opinion, the Evil Dead franchise has no bad movies. Um, even the ones that I would rate lower than other ones are still great movies. You know what I mean? I love Army of Darkness. Is it my favorite movie? No. But still, it is still a fantastic movie. Um, but yeah, of course, Sam Raimi, Bruce Campbell. I mean, you put those two together on a project, I'm going to watch it 100% of the time. Yep. Me too. So... All right, Ike, so what is your number three favorite possession movie? All right, so this one is actually, this one was on another list um, that we did before. This movie was on the, I think, the found footage list we did, but it is the movie The Taking of Deborah Logan. Mm, Um, The Taking of Deborah Logan, in my opinion, still, it just will always stand out to me as a possession film um, because it 
remarkably poses the idea and the concept of possession, not only in the aspect and perspective of possession, but also in the perspective of, you know, somebody who has failing faculties. This one, in my opinion, because um, for people who don't know, the, the concept of possession is always, you know, there's it's oppression first, right? Before you are possessed, you are oppressed by the demonic entity. This movie, in my opinion, is the personification of demonic oppression. This movie is showing the failing faculties of Deborah Logan, and people think that it is just dementia, Alzheimer's, whatever the case may be, sundowning syndrome. But at the end of this, it's obviously clear that it is more than that. She is possessed, and there is probably one of the creepiest scenes that I've ever seen um, in the caves of this movie. And it is forever one of my favorite movies, but also one of my favorite possession movies. Well, uh, I can't comment. That's still a movie that I have not seen yet. I believe Put it on the one. list. <laughs> yeah, I, I believe it. I believe we said the same thing the last time you brought it up and whatever it was that uh, you were all over me about watching it. So, uh, yeah, I will. I will have to watch that. Um, here we go. I will make a list because sometimes I, I do that. I sit around and I'm trying to, you know, think of a movie to watch or something. And I'm like, hmm, what do I want to choose? And I, and I forget uh, about some of these movies that we discussed. So. Oh, yeah. There we go. (laughs) I I officially have a list. So um, there we go. All right. Moving on to my number two favorite possession movie. It is from 2012. It is Sinister. Um, I I very much enjoy this movie. I I, I don't know. It it, it's one of uh, my with a lot like with a lot of movies, not that they're not good or whatever. But when you when you talk about movies in a particular like subgenre or very. uh narrowed down field of style sometimes you you watch them and you, oh it could be a great movie but you think ah i've kind of seen all this before right it's it's just a retelling right nothing you know sinister to me felt a little a little fresher than some of the others a little different um you know i don't know i'm not i don't lean super heavy um into all the ones with the you know all the religious connotations and whatnot and i know most of them have some of that yeah uh, but but the ones that are just super that's I mean, it might be a little ironic considering my top one, but uh, <laughs> some of them, you know, it, it's what's where that's heavily. And I'm not saying they're not good. I don't enjoy them again, but it, they often feel redundant. And to me, Sinister did not feel redundant as far as a possession movie. And, uh, and of course, I love me some Ethan Hawke. So uh, that is my number two favorite possession movie. You know, um, Sinister, again, is on my short list. It's for sure my top ten. Uh, like you said, not only is it a great Ethan Hawke movie. But is genuinely one of the most terrifying movies I've ever seen. Um, and I stand by that. I, I think that there will come a day where people will look at Sinister the same way that a lot of people um, from your generation, Dave, look at The Exorcist. Um, I, I genuinely think that. I think that Sinister will be The Exorcist for the modern generation in a lot of ways. Um, but the Sinister movies, you know, like you said, they, they definitely depart from the typical, you know, style and expectations of a, you know, a possession movie, of a haunting movie. Um, and Bagul, the demon in this movie, is so spooky looking. Um, mm-hmm. and Bagul is also a very real entity. And not, I mean, a real entity in terms of the religion it is from. I don't know if it's real or not. I, I hope that it is not. But, uh, <laughs> Uh, but you know, it, it's a very real concept and, you know, and that's one of the things that makes these movies spooky is that when it pulls from a already existing source material and, uh, 
uh, but Ghoul is one of those. Um, and yeah, Sinister's great. I mean, it's such a creepy movie. The scene uh, where he's watching the videotapes and the lawnmower videotape. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, man. Spooky. <laughs> Absolutely. So, all right, Ike, what is your number two favorite position movie? All right. So you guys have probably all seen this movie. I know I love this movie, um, and I always revisit this movie. It is Paranormal Activity. Mm-hmm. Um, this so, is this is one of my honorable mentions. Yes, yes. Honorable mention, it is my number two. Paranormal Activity, in my opinion, uh, is a pioneer of the not only the possession genre, uh, but of sort of the found footage genre. It is a different type of found footage than what we got. So, for instance, when you look at uh, when you look at found footage, it, to me, there are now like three distinct categories. There is traditional found footage where it is a person holding a camera. Um, there is the stationary found footage, which, in my opinion, Paranormal Activity pioneered. Stationary being that this person has a lot of cameras, you know, set up around the house. Of course, it does have the traditional handheld version as well. And then even further uh, with films like The Cleansing Hour, you have uh, the new found footage which is like streaming the found footage where they are streaming mm-hmm. the events um but in any case the uh paranormal activity film pioneers you know a different type of the found footage genre um it kind of bridges the gap from like the old school found footage to kind of like the new school um it's not parent it's not uh blair witch but it's also not some of the newer stuff that you see uh, but Paranormal Activity also spawned a generation of films. I mean, they're still making them. Uh, they like I think the last one was made in 2021. I think it's called Next of Ken. Um, mm-hmm. They intend to make more. They're actually planning on rebooting the franchise from last I heard. So, you know, it's a pretty substantial film, pretty substantial, you know, genre of film. And I love it. Such a good, such a good movie. Yep, I agree. All right, so that brings us to our number ones. Uh, we won't discuss mine very long because you've already <laughs> talked about my age and we've already had hot takes on this and whatever else. But yes, no matter what, as of now, my favorite uh, possession movie is still from 1973, The Exorcist. I, I still love this movie. I will always love this movie. It will take something pretty monumental to uh, knock this off the top, maybe because it was – more likely than not, the absolute first possession movie I've ever I ever saw, uh, so it kind of set the standard for me. Uh, so again, we we've talked about The Exorcist many times, and uh, I'm not going to dive deep back into this again. I don't think it's any surprise to anybody that this would be my number one. So, I, I you've expressed your opinions in the past that you <laughs> like Exorcist, you appreciate what it is, but you feel there's lots of modern possession movies. Uh, that are quality wise are better movies. Um, so we won't, we won't ask you to really go into, you, you just did a hot take a, a few weeks ago about this. So we'll just move on to what is your number one favorite possession movie? So I, w- I went back and forth on this cause there's a lot of movies that I think could fit my number one bill. Um, but when I thought about it and I really just really honed in on it, um, not often is there a movie that I watch and I don't want to watch it again. Not because I didn't enjoy it, but because it terrified me as much as this movie did. Um, or disturbed me as much as this movie did. My number one is Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a one and done for me. I will at some point go back and watch this movie. Um, 
But this movie took a toll on me. I, I, I remember watching this years ago when it came out in 2018. Um, and I remember watching it in the, the cinema, the, the cinema, the film, if you will. Um, <laughs> the cinema. The cinema. But I remember watching it at the theater. And I remember there were parts of this movie um, that just had me absolutely befuddled, absolutely just uh, aghast at, at what was happening before me. And I, I felt physically tired after watching this movie. And that, and I mean, maybe it was just cause I'm fat and I had to walk down those stairs. I don't know, but, uh, <laughs> I kid, but I mean, seriously though, this movie took a toll on me. Like I, I thought about this movie for weeks after watching it and I have yet to go back and watch this movie just because of how profoundly this movie, uh, impacted me. So, you know, it's not often that you see a movie like that and you're like, holy shit, that was, that was something. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love hereditary. It's such a great movie. Um, you know, it has a really great cast. Uh, Tony Collette, of course, Alex Wolf, Millie Shapiro, lots of other people, of course, but yeah, I just, I, I will sing the praises of hereditary. I know some people don't like it. Some people think it's overrated, but as someone who saw it when it first came out, it's just, it is a genuinely just, exploratory film of the possession genre for sure yeah i uh i do like hereditary it was actually on my short list as well uh thought about putting it in there or whatever else but it, it didn't make my list uh didn't really make my honorable mentions but it was very close there yeah i, I do love i do like the movie um my other honorable mention which is maybe some people will be surprised by this because it is a very new movie um is evil dead rise I still marvel at how damn good that movie is and how well acted it is and how the effects and the acting and everything just, it, it is really creepy as fuck. And, um, I, I think it is an outstanding entry into the Evil Dead franchise and, uh, makes me very excited for, you know, future Evil Dead works uh, to come. So I, I wanted to give it uh, some mad props. So there you have it. That is our top three favorite possession movies. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will have our news, birthdays, anniversaries, and more. So stick around. Make sure you subscribe to listen to their screams on your favorite podcast platform. Also, make sure you look us up on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, TikTok, and Slasher. All you have to do is look up Listen to Screams, that is Listen the number two in Screams, and you can find us there. Also, make sure you go and buy yourself a Listen to Their Screams t-shirt. You can find all of our shirts at tinyurl.com Screams Shirts. Spread the news. Spread the news. Spread the news. And we're back with the news. All right. So first things first, I'm the realist. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's from a song from from those from the olden days. Well, the olden days now. Anywho, starting us off strong, we have some news about killer clowns from outer space. Yeah, you heard that right. Killer clowns from outer space. The game is invading Xbox S and S as well as PS5 and PC on June 4th. A pre-order starting on uh, February 21st will have one-week advance access. Um, obviously, I'm super stoked for this. I hope it goes to Games Pass. If not, I will purchase this game, of course. 
Um, it's actually weird. Uh, my, my wife's birthday is uh, June the 5th. So I told her, I said, if, when this game comes out, I said, we can play it for your birthday. And she said, what do you mean we? You're going to be the one playing it. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, well, yeah, I will play it in your honor on your birthday. I can't. But uh, yeah, absolutely. Super stoked about this game. I, I love the love the fact that they have followed through on this and it is now a real thing. <laughs> yeah, there's so many people out there who've been so cynical about it. It's like, oh, it's taking too long. It's taking too long. It's not going to happen. They're just yeah. I'm like, dude. And the thing is, I. I, you know, I couldn't really say a whole lot, but I had chatted a little with one of the Kyoto brothers online and uh, he's like, yeah, it's happening. We're just, you know, making sure it's right and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there'll be a date coming soon. And, you know, this was just whatever, a month or two ago. So, you know, and I I, I couldn't really say anything, you know, he, you know, to spoil anything. Uh, on a side note, he he has said that, you know, as this thing gets full ramp, he might, you know, he'd be more than willing probably to come on and do an interview with us. And discuss killer clowns in the game Warner Real. So I was like, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm super excited. I, I love killer clowns. So, you know, anything to do with it, I'm all for in this game, uh, from everything I've seen so far, looks absolutely outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So obviously that's great news. Uh, we have some other good news as well, but before we do that, I wanted to mention this and I totally forgot to mention it earlier. So I have to mention it now before uh, I forget. Uh, cause if I don't, my wife will kill me. Um, Actually, I sent I sent Dave a, a picture of this on Sunday, uh, but for Valentine's Day, my wife made me a gift. It was a uh, oh, yeah. 20, 20 uh, horror movie uh, dates, basically, um, and all of them are themed after a horror movie. Um, but I just want to share it with everybody because it's really cool. She found it on TikTok. Um, but last week on Sunday, we actually watched um, The Exorcist Believer, um, <laughs> but it Specifically, Exorcist Believer. Don't worry, we didn't watch The Exorcist. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we watched <laughs> Exorcist the Believer, and uh, we made uh, it was called Pazuzu Puke Pea Soup. Um, it was just pea soup. There was no um, baby birding of the pea soup. I promise. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, Devil's Food Cake for dessert. But uh, I just want to share that. It was really cool. Um, we'll do it probably every other week. So ne- the next time we do it, we'll probably not be until uh, not the next time we record, but the time after that. So I'll try and remember to mention it then. But uh, uh, that was the first time I ever had pea soup. So that's that's the news for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I do love I do love pea soup. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. It had ham in and stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyways. Before I get too far off track, let's go back to the actual news. Um, another public domain horror movie is coming. You heard that right. We knew it was. We knew that they were creating more, but uh, this one might be interesting. Goldilocks and the Three Bears: Death and Porridge is coming at some point. We don't know when. Um, no word on release date, but obviously, I- I'm gonna watch it. It, it sounds fun. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to watch any of them. I I don't care what they are. I am, I am, for whatever reason, I'm so into this public domain horror thing because they're just goofy and fun. And, uh, that's, I'm, I'm down. So I hope they just keep churning these suckers out. (laughs) Just so much that it's a struggle to even keep up with them. It is. I'm sorry. We're going to have to create like a database for public domain horror movies soon. Yeah. Just start a whole side podcast just on these. You really could. You really could. Wow. All right. Publisher Oni Press has reached an agreement to launch a new comic series to bring back the legendary horror EC comics. No further information yet. 
Um, so I'm not super familiar with EC Comics. Uh, Dave, you have to give me a little bit of a rundown here. Um, well, they were prominent, like the 50s, 60s. That's, that is where uh, Tales from the Crypt and the Crypt Keeper and all those, uh, okay. those stories and those characters came from. Uh, they are, they're, they're creepy. The artwork was outstanding in them. Um, I hope they, I hope they keep that retro style. I, when you, when you bring back a retro property, I, I, I'm split, but oftentimes I don't, I don't like to see it done in some modern-esque fashion. Um, you know, I, I like to see, to feel that nostalgia for the original. I am, uh, you know, these, I mean, they've been reprinted time and time again in different collections and whatnot, but, uh, supposedly they're committed to, you know, bringing in some top, you know, artists and writers and really, you know, giving this proper, you know, attention. It's, this is not a, any kind of reprinting of the original stuff. This is, this is new material continuing in that vein with those characters and things. So it'll be like that, like, you know, tells from the crypt style. It should be, you know, short story stuff hosted by, you know, the crypt keeper. And there was other characters, the witch, and there was, you know, a couple other characters that were kind of host through the uh, EC comics. So. Uh, I now I do not know I don't know where the I assume the rights to the name Tales from the Crypt is still with that I'm right. assuming that was a lease whatever you want whatever you call it uh, with HBO and all that when that was done um so I you know but I do not know that for sure so uh but there were there were different titles but yeah, obviously you know Tales from the Crypt and the Crypt Keeper is some of their most known stuff gotcha well I do like Tales from the Crypt um. I've never read one of the books, but I mean, if they start publishing them again, I, I will definitely be a uh, an attentive reader to that for sure. Cool. Well, in somewhat cool news as well, Eli Roth's Thanksgiving is now streaming on Netflix. Um, you know, we did a whole episode review about it. We talk about it pretty frequently because it's been in the news a lot lately. Um, but yeah, we love the movie Thanksgiving, and it's now streaming on Netflix, which. Um, small, small little, little sidebar. I don't know if you noticed, but Netflix has been getting a lot of HBO content lately. Um, I don't know if they're like about to merge or something like that, but like there's a shit ton of HBO content that's specifically labeled as like HBO originals. So I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's, it's so weird. There's so much going on with streaming stuff and, and talks of things merging. I don't know. It's weird because there's HBO has Max. Which has different banners under it, so I I don't I don't know I I feel that some of it yeah. just maybe is just related to the fact that uh, you know Netflix was kind of the the thing when this all first started and they've are kind of you know it feels like they're kind of falling behind some of these other newer streaming services sometimes I mean there's literally I, I was just thinking about this when this you know was announced or whatever I'm like you know, I don't I'm not even sure the last time I really went to Netflix and watched something it seems like it's it's been a while they don't. I mean, I know there are a few things, right? Like whatever the Gremlins cartoon was on there, and I think it's some other things like that. But it's I, I don't it's like I don't find myself watching Netflix as much as I do the other streaming services. So perhaps they're just trying to make moves to to boost their visibility. But uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Thanksgiving, it seems like every week we're talking about something or other, whether it's a you know, new merchandise or or, hey, it's on video on demand or, hey, it's coming out in Blu-ray or, hey, not streaming. It's just like. They're, they're really keeping themselves relevant and, and more and more and more. I see people online talking about, Hey, I, you know, I didn't, I, I'm just now late to the party watching this. This is a great movie. And I really expected to, to go through the roof now that it's, you know, on Netflix that people that haven't seen it yet will get to watch it. And I, I don't see anybody out there saying it's not a good movie or they didn't enjoy it. And, uh, I, I think this movie is really, 
still finding it's even more of a footing. And uh, I think they're primed for the sequel. It's supposed to be, you know, coming in 2025 ish, you know, with this. It's like they're getting this slow build following behind them more and more because there's all these people that didn't see it originally in the theater and uh, are now starting to see it. And uh, Netflix is just going to bring it to even more eyes. So, yeah. Um, so all you people, though, that are jumping on the bandwagon, remember when it first came out, we reviewed it. We loved it. We said this is an iconic movie that needs to be rewatched every Thanksgiving. We said that they had an iconic character and killer in John Carter. So everybody just remember, <laughs> we we didn't jump on the bandwagon. We were the ones driving the bandwagon. I was say we are the bandwagon. That's right. <laughs> but you're not wrong, though. Very cool. And if you jump on the bandwagon, then just please refer people to our, our preview, our review of something. Just, just joking. It's it's like the uh, it's like the Simpsons with the bus drivers. He's like, don't make me tap the sign. And yeah. he, taps, <laughs> he taps the sign and says, we are the bandwagon. Yeah. <laughs> love it. But, but I, I love I love Thanksgiving to continue to get love. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. Good stuff. And hopefully we'll have a sequel soon. All right. Upcoming birthdays. February 22nd, 1975. We have Drew Barrymore. From such films like E.T., Firestarter, and Scream, um, Drew Barrymore's, you know, she she has her, you know, good stuff that she's done. She does a lot, lot more, I would say, comedy, romantic comedy type stuff, you know, like Fifty First Dates and whatnot. Uh, but she does still have her, you know, her her, I guess, her token roles for horror. Um, Scream, of course, being I think one of the best. Uh, you know, she gets killed in the beginning, but it is a memorable kill for sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, most of her relevant to horror roles were when she was young, you know, with Firestarter and everything. Uh, Scream, she was obviously was offered the Sydney role. I read it and was like, eh, this doesn't sound like what I want to do, but I still want to be in it, but I want you to kill me. And yeah. um, and it's wild because it's become so iconic now that you had this, who at that time was the biggest star in the movie, um, and you killed her before the title. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it, it was pretty cool. It was different. And it, I think it really helped set Scream apart right from the get go. Um, and yeah, she doesn't, she didn't do a whole lot. She has a talk show now and whatnot, but, uh, you know, she, uh, obviously, you know, has, has contributions to horror. I, she's, uh, very, from everything I've ever seen, very fond of her, her contributions to horror and, and everything else. So, uh, she was great as a kid, fire starter. Yeah. So. And an AT, of course. <laughs> I was going to say, of course, E.T. Can't beat E.T. But, oh, yeah. Well, all right, moving on up. We have February 26, 1977. We have James Wan, uh, who directed such films or produced such films like Saul, Insidious, and Conjuring. Um, and Insidious and Conjuring were also on my short list for possession movies, just for everybody's record. Um, yeah. You know, The Conjuring, of course, iconic. Insidious, iconic. And, of course, Saul, one of our favorite uh, film franchises, such a good movie. Yeah, yeah. I, obviously, Insidious and Conjuring came up, but I'm like, it's again, it's one of those. It's like it's hard to break out a movie from that, right? I mean, we we've, we've talked about them, we've counted down. What did we count on the Conjuring? Which one was it, or was it Insidious? It was Whatever Insidious, it was. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think it was when Red Door came out, right? Yeah. And uh, but it, it's like you know, obviously there's some I like better than others, but it, it's it, to me it's just hard to break anything out from the franchise. Um, but in, in any, in any case, it is remarkable when you look at the, uh, the contributions he has to these franchises, 
that he's helped create and direct and write. And I mean, those are three of the biggest horror franchises of the last, whatever, 20 years or whatever it might be. It's, it's pretty damn remarkable. It absolutely is. James Wan, I mean, obviously I don't want to get on a tangent, you know, I don't want another Cuba Gooding incident, but, um, yeah, no, we're having a Cuba Gooding incident later in the episode. We sure will. But, you know, but James Wan, he, he very much has one of the most iconic positions of like 2000s horror where he has had his hands in so much good shit. Um, and these literally these three franchises, like you said, are some of the most iconic franchises of this generation. So, I mean, he, he will he will go down as one of the more iconic directors um, of all time. I, again, he will be one. He will probably be like a Wes Craven one day where people look back and say, James Wan was my inspiration to make my horror film or, you know, he'll be one of those. He'll be a legend one day. Yeah. If I not. Mean, and there's no reason to believe he's done. No. I mean, he's he's still got a lot of career left. And what I love about it is I mean, he, he loves doing these films. Right. It's not like, oh, OK, I just want to break in. So I'll I'll do the the kid, the stupid ass horror movie. Hopefully it does well and it'll catapult me on. No, man, this is what he wants to do, it seems like. And um, I don't know, but the guy is obviously obviously got great ideals um so i you know it's exciting to think this is what he's done what else what else will he do in the future you know it's 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 pretty cool he he may have two or three more iconic franchises under his belt by the time it's all said and done yeah. who knows no for sure uh, he he will do more for sure <laughs> there's no doubt about that in my mind but all right moving on to some upcoming movie anniversaries um, February 22nd, 1991, Bride, Reanimator. Um, I have seen the Reanimator movie, guys, but I have not seen Bride of Reanimator. Um, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it is not as good as Reanimator. <laughs> no. It's still fun. I still enjoy it. Not as good as the first one, no. Because the first one to me is just <laughs> so fun and iconic. Uh, but, but, but it's still, it's still fun. It's still a fun watch. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I'll have to check it out sometime. It is on Tubi for free if anybody's curious. I have seen it on there. <laughs> but uh, February 24th, 2017, Get Out. Um, Jordan Peele's first film, and I would venture, I would say, honestly, it's probably my favorite of his films. Um, Us is great, of course, and so is Nope. And I'm sure Monkey Man and his other projects are going to be great, too. But Get Out is just so iconic. Um, definitely one I need to go back and watch pretty soon. Yeah, I, I don't. To be honest, I don't know whether I've seen it more than the once. Um, I I don't know. Um, but it is kind of fun because as we are recording this on uh, Wednesday, the 20, February twenty first, uh, today is Jordan Peele's birthday. So uh, there you go. Hey, happy birthday, Jordan! I know you're not listening, but happy birthday. And if <laughs> if the people, if you're out there, if you're following our social media. You would know this because it was posted on the social media today. So it sure was. Don't be a loser. Follow us on social media. Mm-hmm. Anywho, February 24th, 2024, celebrating its one year birthday anniversary, whatever you want to call it. Cocaine Bear. Um, we reviewed this last year. It was a fun film. It was, it was funny. Um, beyond that, it, it is nothing spectacular, but it is a fun film. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely fun. I, I I love it. It's definitely one of those movies that at some point I'll rewatch just because it's just so damn enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. 
I think it's where's it streaming? I think it's like on is it on Peacock? I think or Paramount? Mm, not sure. It's, it's one of the P's. It's, it's been a while, so I'm not sure. I'll, I'll look that up here in a minute, but uh, yeah, it's it's on one of the P's as I call them. <laughs> one of the P's. One of the P's. See, Peacock's great streaming service. I like the app. Paramount is just absolute dog water. It is the, the one of the worst apps I have ever used in my entire life. It, uh, it is, and it, the, the bad thing is, it's got good content, but oh, it's just yeah, like not not user friendly. It has SpongeBob on there. It's great, but I can't I can't <laughs> handle watching SpongeBob on it because it's so god awful. It's literally one of the worst things ever. Um, same thing with the Voodoo app. But that's a whole other that's a whole other question I could get just yeah. absolutely drawn out on. But yeah, it, it it just it's awful because it's just you. There's so much stuff you want to watch in these apps, and it just ugh, so bad. But but they can all rest easy that no matter how bad they are, they're still not Amazon Prime. God, so. yes. Amazon Prime is the worst. I know they're trying, but they are not trying hard enough. <laughs> again, again, it's got some good content, but God, I hate that fucking app. I do too. I do too. And they're putting ads on it now. They're putting ads on like the, the base level, of like, course. It's Amazon thing. Yeah. Anyways, before I get down on too much of a tangent about streaming services, February 27th, 1987, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Um, AKA have, uh... the best Nightmare on the Elm Street movie. I, I believe I said this last year and I'm going to say it again. February 27th should be a national holiday. This is one of my favorite <laughs> horror movies of all time. Do I think it is one of the greatest made films of all time? No, I don't care. So much fun. To me, this is pinnacle Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Dream Warriors is, it, I would say, it's probably one of the most perfect sequels of a horror film of all time. Um, it, it definitely it lives up to the hype of the original film and does some things even better. Uh, plus, just some of the kills in that movie are just off the walls, just so fun. It is very creative. That uh, that the Freddy sarcastic humor, you know, whatnot, is is perfect, spot on in this movie. This is where it is. It is best. And um, oh, love this movie. And I, it is like when I do, if I ever do nightmare rewatches, I, I just can't wait to get this film. Yeah, absolutely. Same, same. All right. I think that finishes up birthdays, anniversaries, news and whatnot. We have one upcoming release. Um, we are going to talk about another upcoming release. That's kind of an upcoming release, but kind of not since it's coming out like the day after we watch this. But we are reviewing it next week. Uh, but we'll talk about that one later. But for the other upcoming release, Stop Motion comes to limited theaters on February 24th and is described as a stop motion animator struggles to find, sorry, to control her demons after the loss of her overbearing mother. Um, I've actually heard some some rumblings about this film on some of like the indie circuits, um, like on Twitter and whatnot or X or whatever the fuck they call it. Um so, but I've heard it's good. I've heard it's it's actually pretty good. But I obviously I can't confirm that secondhand account here. <laughs> yeah, I mean I've seen some pictures and it looks it looks <laughs> creepy because it you know, uses some of the stop motion characters I think uh, and things and that's that's creepy shit. That's like puppet master creepy shit. And um, so uh, uh, yeah, I mean the, the the and this is one of those things that man I'd I'd love to review it, but you know that limited theaters it's yeah I probably will not be able to see it. They probably won't be in the area. Uh, from what I gather, it's it's 
fairly limited. I mean, pretty limited. No, like not like this reduce that. This is this is going to be pretty sporadic. But it, hopefully it will be uh, video on demand or streaming pretty soon. And we can at least uh, at least give it a little chat on here when it does that. So, yeah, absolutely. I love to. I love stop motion. And uh, you put that in a horror film. That's a OK with me. Mm -hmm. All right. So that officially does it. That is all of our upcoming anniversaries, movie releases, birthdays and whatever else. Uh, I said it earlier, false on social media. You won't be sorry. And coming up next is our official review of Skeletons in the Closet, starring Terrence Howard and Cuba Gooding Jr. Stick around. Listen to their screens is now a Fangoria collaborator. Get 20% off your order at shop.fangoria.com by using the promo code LISTEN2SCREAMS at checkout. That is LISTEN, the number two, and SCREAMS. Or you can click the link in the show notes. All right, and we're back here on Listen to Other Screams, and uh, we are going to discuss Skeletons in the Closet. Nike said this is our official review. Um, man, I, I don't know whether I want to claim this or not because, whoo, boys, I, I've got thoughts, and I've got opinions. And uh, let me preface this all by saying, if you like this movie, whoever you are, I apologize for the things I'm going to say because I didn't like this movie at all. I, I really didn't. I, I thought it was I thought it was slow. I thought it was prodding, plotting, excuse me, not prodding, plotting. Uh, I do not think the the possession stuff and that I just I, there wasn't enough scary. I it started where I thought, oh, this is going to this could be OK with the, the, the figure showing up and different things. The only thing, the only thing to me that was positive about this movie was the the, the three main characters were very well acted. Mm -hmm. Terrence Howard and I'm not sure who played his wife. They did an outstanding job. They were they were they were great. Terrence Howard though is talented. We all know that. I will say though, we have joked, we have whatever else, but to me, Cuba Gooding Jr. stole the show in this damn movie <laughs> because he played Terrence Howard's brother who just got out of prison, was obviously rough, obviously you know had street smart savvy, whatever you want to call it. And just the way he talked and the way he conducted himself and everything else, it felt, it just, it was great. It was, it, it, it made me chuckle a couple of times, but not in this forced way. He was outstanding because he was, he was kind of just nonchalant. It's like, okay, this is going on. Else. Okay, little brother, then we're going to do this. <laughs> and he was just going on. And then he's sitting there in a the scene with his niece doing temporary tattoos. And it's just like he had this softer side to him then, right? He, he, you could tell he, he loved his family, right? And he was all he wanted to do was help them and, and, and whatever else. The good Lord, whoever the I don't I don't even know. I'm telling you, some of the details are even fuzzy for this. Whoever the bad guy dude was, I don't know what the fuck that guy was going for in this <laughs> with with this thing. This felt. I like B level 80s movies. This felt like a dude out of like a D level 80s movie. And especially at the end where he's like in the road with the snake and he's like, don't worry, he'll be back. And I'm like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> what what did that have? To, I mean, that was like, what? I Man, this movie was rough. Um, It just it wasn't scary. There wasn't anything surprising. Um, You pretty much knew what was going to happen when you knew they had a sick daughter, that that was going to play into it again. Yeah. Predictability is not necessarily a bad thing. 
But like we mentioned earlier when we talked about possession type movies, if you don't do at least something slightly out of the box or slightly different, it gets lost, right? It just gets lost as another one. And this one just gets lost as another one and not even a good one. Yeah. Um, ah, I, I don't know. I was, I was hopeful because when it kind of started, I thought, oh, this is, yeah, this is okay. We're, we're good. And then I thought, okay, is this movie ever going to do anything? Because it was just like on and on and on. And then they went to see the lady in the shop and I was like, okay, okay, who, here we go. This is not bad. It's not bad. And then it's like, okay, now she's, he's bringing the wife. And then they went back and that's when the dude in the other room came in. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> and, and then he's like showing up and giving their daughter, you know, voodoo dolls or something. I, I, I'm like, what the hell? And, you know, and then when they started the flashbacks about uh, Victoria, that was her name. The wife's name, I think it was Victoria. Um, they were doing the flashbacks about her parents and her mother and stuff. You're like, okay, well, the, this is clearly going to tie back into it. Uh, this is obviously behind. I, I don't know. Just, uh, again, if it were not for Terrence Howard and particularly Cuba Gooding, and again, the wife did a good job as well, this movie would have been just a, a, a complete pile of demon shit. It would have not even had any redeeming qualities. Um, you know, Terrence Howard, he at least kept you filling for the situation he was in. Um, and Cuba Gooding was just, it was a good role, right? It was a good character in this movie. It, it, it worked. Um, they're just, man, I don't know. And, uh, I don't know. I, I, this felt like a movie. I think maybe that Terrence Howard was a kind of a, a big driving force behind this film. So I don't know. There, someone came up with the story. I, he has a writing credit in it. Yeah. Um, I, I did not read any of that shit like I usually do. I, I totally forgot. Um, <laughs> I just jumped right into it. Uh, but I, I think he has a writing credit. So I think he had a hand in adapting it for the screenplay and whatnot. So I'm guessing he was really the driving force. But the fact that he couldn't sell this anywhere, couldn't get it in the theater when you had you know, him and Cuba Gooding, he couldn't even get any kind of theater run, nothing. That that's telling, and um, yeah. uh, I don't. I mean, I've rambled again. I didn't get all the details right. This movie was released February 9th on Shutter AMC. It's written by Al Bravo. It was adapted by Josh Cohen and Terrence Howard. Directed by Asif Akbar, starring Terrence Howard, Cuba Gooding Jr., and Udo Kier. I think Udo is the guy that played the weird, creepy snake dude. Yeah. Um. So um, there's that background, but uh, man, I always say go watch a movie for yourself and, and formulate your own opinion. Uh, whew. I don't know if I can get in good nature to tell anybody to watch this damn film because I, again, I don't know. Maybe there's somebody out there who likes this movie. I would like to meet that person. Um, I, I've rambled. I've rambled because this movie makes me a little nauseous. It's just, ooh, did not like it at all. You typically don't have as strong opinions on these things as I do, though. So what's your take on it? Yeah. Um, you know, the movie was not the the strongest movie I've ever seen. Um, there were a lot of weak points to this film. And, you know, pretty much everything you said, I agree with. Like, generally speaking, everything, your your general sentiment about the film, I, I do kind of fall in line with. Um, I didn't hate the movie by any means. It just, it, what it felt like to me was that, like you said, I, I felt like Terrence Howard wanted to make this movie. And I feel like he was really invested in this movie but maybe he couldn't get like enough money behind the movie. And like, he was just as like calling in favors to people he knew like Cuba mm. Gooding Jr. Like, I don't know. I'm assuming that they're friends in real life because if I was Cuba Gooding Jr., I would not do this except for if it were for my friend. 
Um, you know, it just, I don't know. I just, it, I, I really don't know. I really don't know where they're trying to go with this movie. And that's the worst part about it is that, like you said, predictability is not a bad thing. Um, but it's bad when the movie's predictable, but you're still confused because I, I genuinely don't know what they were trying to do with this movie. Um, I, I feel like they had a story. I felt like there was an underlying message there. It was just, they could not, they could not guide the plane to safety if that makes sense it just felt like they were going all over the place they were going in circles and you know you had all these subplots where like the the you know valentina which was the the wife um her mom was like killed herself to like save her or something like that and then at the end you know valentina sacrificed herself. you know it was just this it was this whole like like it's just confusing it, it's redundant it's you know, but like you said, I, I think that Terrence Howard did a fantastic job in this movie. I mean, he's such a good actor. And like you said, Cuba Gooding Jr.'s character was, was hilarious. And just he was he was authentically funny. You know, he wasn't even yeah. trying. He was just yeah. natural. He felt natural. It, it felt like it genuinely felt like Terrence Howard and Cuba Gooding Jr. were brothers and that they were just living life. You know what I mean? But it just felt like they were in like some weird like uh, Truman show like movie where like everyone around them was just very poorly acting and they were just like acting supernatural. Um, so yeah, it was just, I don't know. It, it was just weird. It, it didn't really, didn't really, I don't know. It, it, it kind of made my, my eyes itch a little bit. It just, it was kind of weird. I don't know if that makes sense. It was just like, I felt like I'm missing something. And like, I was really paying attention to this movie, like genuinely paying attention to this movie, but I just, I don't know, man. You just, the shit gives me the shits. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's just, I don't know. When you have a possession movie, man, you need a, you need a, I don't you know, a, a jump demon. scare. <laughs> yeah, you need, a, yeah, something in there. And, um, for what, I, I, I thought the flashbacks looked peculiar to me. Maybe it was just me, but it looked like it was like, not like it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. It looked like it was like 200 years ago. Yeah, it was it like it's like that, that. I don't know. It's like this weird house. Look. It, I don't. It was peculiar to me because when they first showed it, started showing it, I thought, oh, OK, we're going to get to the root of whatever the you know, whatever demons going to be in this movie. Right. This is this is showing something. And then I'm like, wait a minute. OK, what that that's the OK. And I'm like, what the fuck? I'm like, is Valentina supposed to be like really, really old? We don't know. I'm like, like a vampire or something. Yeah, it's like, yeah. what's going on here? Because the flashbacks looked way older than they should have been to me. Um, it was, it was very odd to me and, um, I don't know. I needed something, something scary about it, something to make me at least jump or a little bit or sit on the edge of my seat. Or, and there was nothing, there was not even suspense really in this movie. No, it, it, it needed some tension. It needed some suspense. It needed, I don't know, man. And, and again, Terrence Howard, he, he's smooth as an actor, man. He is just, it's just natural. And, um, you know, so that, Again, if it was not for him and Cuba Gooding, I'd be like, I'd have been like, man, this movie needs to be burnt. And, uh, <laughs> and, but I mean, as far as a demon possession movie or a horror movie of any sort, this, this was missing. It missed a lot. Um, I'm usually, I don't know. I'm usually of the nature of, let's oh, don't make a horror movie too long, but this one was like, what, an hour and a half? Yeah. Let's put our 10 minutes in there and let's add <laughs> something. Or actually, they could have gotten rid of some stuff and kept the same length and just added in 
I don't know, something else. And um, I don't well, know. It I, needed something. It, that's what I was going to say. Is Like you said, I felt like it just it, it just didn't. It was just like you said, it was missing. It was missing something. And I and honestly, here's the thing. The, the subplot of like uh, Terrence Howard going to like that mafia guy or that mob guy. I yeah. thought that was like genuinely interesting, and the, yeah. the mob guy was actually really well acted. Yeah. Um, and his his goons were like you know well acted as well. And honestly, had they just made a movie about like like Terrence Howard's daughter getting sick and needing treatment, and he needs money, and like he has to go to the mob, and then the mob comes after him. Had they made that movie, I would have probably watched it. It probably would have been better. Or had they made like and, a mobster, like a serial killer or something? And, I don't know. Yeah, and, Q- and Cuba Gooding uses his street smarts and his prison wisdom to to help save the family by taking out these mobs. It was yeah. like the mob part was was great, and I understand, but it's like it, what eh, it didn't add anything to the movie. It was literally just a way for him to get this first amount of money, right? I don't know. It's like it didn't. Well, and it didn't pan out to anything either because no, they saying. pulled up to his house and they were like, they were like. They yeah. called their boss and was like, hey, we're about to take him to go, him and his daughter to go fishing. And, he's, and then the boss is like, oh, wait, he's cool? Okay, then we're on our way to the next stop. And I'm yeah. like, what the? What do you mean? He didn't pay your money. At least I don't think he paid your money. Like, no. But, it was, yeah. it's like, honestly, yeah, I enjoyed that part, but you could have taken it out and it wouldn't have changed a thing. Right? He yeah. could have done the, the exact same path of needing the full 50000 instead of half of it. And it wouldn't have changed the concept of the movie, whatever that is. It, um. I, I don't – I was waiting for all these different threads to somehow come together, right? The mob thing, the the wife past thing, the you know the brother, the uh, – something. I was just waiting for all these things to come together, and it, it never did, right? I was expecting – I was expecting something. Uh, yeah. I really thought, you know, anticipated that it – some accumulation of the movie, which never occurred – I thought the the brother, the Cuba Gooding character, would, would do something to sacrifice himself to save his his brother's family. I thought this was going to be the you know we, we'd get one of those look you know I fucked up I've had a rough life I I haven't mounted but I love you I'm going to do this so that my life has some value and I'm redeeming myself you know I thought there'd be something like that right he would do something to give himself to the demon or take out the demon or something to save his brother's family and but it, I don't know it, it didn't yeah. happen and then you know then at the end right he's taken his daughter to go see things I guess she wanted to see when he brought that up to her. And then it's like, okay. And then there's like the guy's watching him and he'll be back. Like what, what, what? It's like, okay, I know you went through this horrific thing and you just survived brain cancer and this and that, and your mom died and whatever else. Okay. Do you want to go on a road trip? And, uh, and it was just, I don't know. It's like, take something in this movie and let's develop it all the way through. And let's really see it through. And instead, we had like four or five different things going on, and none of them were seen through. So yeah, oh, uh, yeah. I gotta say, I, I mean, it's, it's a disappointment to me, right? I yeah. I didn't expect it to be spectacular because, right, it was straight to streaming. It, it did go straight to sh- nothing against Shutter, but it's not like it was snatched up by one of the the major, the big time streaming. But I was hopeful that this will be one of those sleeper movies, right? That Oh, that people, they, they've overlooked it, but right, you know, it's got, but it's got a couple of good guys in it. It'll be fun and enjoyable. And it just, it, it just wasn't. It, it really, I had hopes and it let me down. So, and, uh, 
it, it snuck in here for a review because there was literally pretty much nothing else to review. And, um, but I'm not saying we wouldn't have given it a shot anyway. Cause again, like I said, I was hopeful. And, uh, I guess you can open one head and crap in the other and you'll see what happens. That's <laughs> what they say, but. It, well, it is. That's exactly what they say. Wish in one hand and <laughs> crap in the other. See which one pulls up quack quicker. Uh huh. So, uh, all right. Um, let's rate this thing. I'm going to go first. This is going to be brutal, but, uh, I- I'm giving this sucker a one and a half out of five. And I'm only giving them that extra half because of Cuba Gooding Jr. And Terrence Howard. Uh, if it wasn't for those two, this would be a one movie for me. This would be, we're talking, I might be more inclined to rewatch Thanksgiving than this thing. And, uh, <laughs> um, this, this, it didn't do it to me. It, it's not, there was not enough enjoyment for it to even get to a two for me. Uh, and again, if it was not for those, those two actors in it, this would have lost another half a scream for me. So one and a half out of five for me. So Ike, what are you giving this movie? Um, you know, I'm not much off from you. Um, I, you know, it, it's hard because to me, like a one and a half is a movie that is borderline, like unredeemable. Um, so I, I think I'm going to go just a little higher at it. I agree. I agree. <laughs> like I, I, like this movie is not quite irredeemable. I feel like there are some things that they could fix about it. So I'm going to go with a two out of five. Um, you, like you said, Cuba Gooding Jr. and Terrence Howard made this movie entirely watchable. Um, and even the wife and the mafia subplot make it watchable as well. But outside of that, there's not much going on. And it's very clear that maybe they had an idea in, in one hand, but they kind of couldn't execute on, on the other. So two out of five for me. Yeah, I think they had an idea, but I think it was just all these people that adapted this or whatever else were like, they all had ideas. They wanted to chime in and then nobody knew how to bring it home. Right. Or they, or they just, I don't know. Maybe they thought this was tied enough together and it was good enough. But yeah, I don't know. Um, but I'm curious to, to hear what people out there have to say. If you've watched this movie, uh, what did you think of it? Does anybody out there think more highly of this movie, uh, than we do? Um, I would be curious to, to hear the defense on it. I'm not looking to argue. I'm not looking to try to, uh, break down, break apart your, your opinion. I, I just want to hear what someone who really enjoyed this movie, what, what it was they enjoyed about it and, and where the differing opinions lie. And, uh, but at the end of the day, they are just opinions. So I, I respectful, you know, respectful. Once again, I, I love lots of bad movies and, um, this just is not one of them. Yeah. So, but next week, like I briefly mentioned earlier, we are going to be reviewing a movie called History of Evil which will be released on February 23rd. That's the day after this episode drops on Shutter and AMC. It is described as a family on the run from a corrupt state takes refuge in a safe house with an evil past. Uh, I have, I've heard good things about this movie. Um, it, to me, it has, it has a little bit of buzz online going uh, from the description. It sounds really intriguing and interesting to me. Um, I'm not trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I'm fighting not being guarded after the skeletons of the closet thing. Um, but I, I have higher hopes for this one. Uh, but, um, but we'll see, we'll see next week if history of evil can, uh, can bring shutter back up into prominence in our minds. Um, well, I was going to say, uh, uh, history of evil before we move on from that. Um, the, one of the main actors is Paul Wesley, um, who is of 
Vampire Diaries fame. He plays mm-hmm. uh, Stefan Salvatore in the Vampire Diaries. Um, but also he, uh, him and uh, the guy who plays Damon, um, who his name is escaping me right now, um, Ian Somerholder. They have a, a a bourbon brand called Brothers Bond. Um, and just for shits and kicks, I, I bought a bottle of that not too long ago, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good bourbon. Good deal. Yeah. So, well, there you go. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if this movie was good enough on its own, or if we should have been drinking some bourbon <laughs> while watching it. Um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. We'll, we'll see, though. Sounds fun to me. Uh, so we'll give that a try, and we will talk all about that next episode. But, Ike, before we close out of here, uh, anything you want to throw in? Yeah, you know, uh, for people who are in the know, um, I'm really hoping that, you know, Paul Wesley puts his full stuffussy into the uh, movie. Um, that's an online thing. I, I don't totally know what that phrase means, but I'm throwing it in there for my wife, who apparently thinks it's funny. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Sounds like it might be something that might give this uh, this movie an X rating. Hey, maybe it will. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I want to see anybody putting anything into anything. And it's, uh, well, depends on what you're talking about here. I don't know. And what uh, people look like. Hey, man, it's it's an internet meme. I have I honestly don't know what it means, but Paul Wesley leans totally into it. I I don't totally know what it means, but it it cracks me up. The the phrase just makes me laugh, so I had to say it. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. There, there we go. So, uh, maybe, maybe you can get some, uh, some clarification on that from, uh, from Caleb before next week. And, uh, when we discuss this movie, maybe we'll, maybe we'll have a better understanding. <laughs> maybe um, I, I, I would look it up, but I don't really even know what the hell you said. So I don't even, I, I don't know what that word was supposed to be. I, I don't know. Uh, I, but, I'll uh, repeat in case anybody wants to Google it. It is Stefussy, S T E F U S S Y. And that is, I, I assume it means exactly what it's supposed to mean. I think it's yep. supposed to be Stefan, as in Stefan Salvatore. <laughs> oh, see, Stefussy. I was going to say, you said that. I'm like, ah, you're a Stefussy, not me. <laughs> well, it's no, like, I don't. Uh, okay. Well, so wait, it's wait. Like an so, internet meme. <laughs> so what's, what's the saying then that's a, that surrounds this word? So Paul Wesley, I, I said he better put his whole stuffussy into the movie, like put okay, it so, back into it. So the meme and everything though is just centered around the word stuffussy or whatever that is. Yeah, it's I, not necessarily that phrase. It's related to that word in different. Yeah, I, I honestly, if I had to take a guess, it's because he plays Stefan Salvatore, and like there is this whole thing about like I, I don't know stuffussy. I don't. I totally don't. I keep saying it, but I totally don't know what it means. But it has to do with. His character, Stefan Salvatore from The Vampire Diaries, I'm pretty sure. Okay, well, uh, Urban Dictionary describes that as a not well-known term to describe a very attractive man capable of pulling any woman they want. They're very charismatic and are similar to the character Stefan Salvatore from The Vampire Diaries. In use, oh my god, that man is Stefussy. I've already fallen in love with him. So there There you you go. go. Well, Paul Wesley is a pretty good-looking guy. I can't deny that. Okay, so man, I'm looking. Apparently, people have made shirts and everything else with this. <laughs> so apparently, it's a uh, he has become synonymous with men who are so suave, attractive, etc., 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 who could literally have their choice of women uh, without even exerting much of an effort, just based on the uh, you know whatever they've been given, whether it be naturally or through a demon deal or whatever it might be. <laughs> And um, this then is an evolution kind of this character he plays that the name. Yep. Um, and it has it has become a, a viral thing. So 
Okay. So there, there you go. Urban Dictionary for the save. I was I was afraid. I mean, I didn't go straight to <laughs> Urban Dictionary. I just Googled the word, and it came up first, and I was like, ooh, do I want to click this? <laughs> and I'm like, well, yes, I'm going to click it, but we'll see if, whether I can read this. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, this is directly referring to Vampire Diaries. So we're good. We're good. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, there there you have it. Um, man, teaching the old I'll, man something here. I'm, I'm the I'll, old guy. <laughs> that, that should be a whole segment on the show, this Ike and Dave break down memes. Well, I was worried because, like, again, I didn't totally know what it meant, so I didn't know if I was, like, sending our listeners on, like, a, a very bad rabbit hole. So <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't that bad. <laughs> but you said you wanted him to to bring his full stafusi, or however you say it, to this movie. Yep. So so that means you want him to just bring all the charm and the, the suaveness and those those gifts that makes him have his pick of the women into this movie. Sure. So, um, so we'll hey. say. He's got he's got to do it. He's got to pull through on this movie. If it's not good, I mean, we're shutters not bad in a thousand this year. So he's got he's got to really pull it through here. Maybe it, it does say in the description a family. So maybe he's already picked his woman in this one. So. True. I think he has. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, all right. So uh, there you go. We'll 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 see where that leads us uh, <laughs> next week. Um, I, I don't even know how to wrap this thing up after that. That does. That was that was quite the, the the substantial last little bit you threw in there. We we usually don't discuss it that long. Uh, uh, you know, but, I'm glad I'm glad to bring something to this podcast. I, I bring I have, the, the the modern age. I, I guess I have learned something. There we go. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Yes, let me let me rephrase this. Obviously, I'm just going to start using that word at random all the time. Oh, same. And, uh, <laughs> actually, probably as soon as we get off here, and I'm going to go in there and check on dinner and. And see what Monica's doing. I'm going to find a way to immediately put that into conversation. And <laughs> the, 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 the one of two things will happen. She'll either look at me and be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Or she'll just in her mind think, yep, there's Dave doing his shit again. <laughs> and not even like, well, you're like, I don't even want to know. I don't want the explanation. I'm just going to let that one slide and <laughs> not pursue. And uh, I'll make it up on the next uh, weird ass thing he says. <laughs> because I, I'm full of random shit like that all the time. And I'll be, you know. Come in there and be like, oh, man, do you know what I found out today? You know, in that like season two episode of Thundercats from like 1985, what happened? And she's like, no, clearly I don't know that. And I'm like, well, you're about to know. And that leads to a whole discussion because then as I start to explain it, she can't just rest with knowing the, the peripheral facts. Right. So as I start talking about whatever it is, she'll be like, OK, so wait, who's that? So that'll just lead me down another story. I had to explain that person or that character or whatever. And it winds up in this huge ass discussion. And, um, but, uh, you know, she might find it annoying. I just, I just say, I'm just educating the world. True. So, stuffussy. Stuffussy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have, man. we've had some, we've had some catchphrases stick on this show through our time. And, uh, I think stuffussy is the, the latest. I don't know. We're going to have to find funny ways to use that word. Amen to that. Well, I can tell you this much. Skeletons in the Closet was not the fussy. And uh, <laughs> that may not be right, but it's, but it's going to apply right now. So, it, it, You know what? It works. I think it works in this case. I think yeah. it works. All right. Well, <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's close this thing out because we still got one wheel left on the bus. And so before we completely lose it, <laughs> uh, let's, let's close this thing out. And, um, <laughs> and I'm going to go with my social experiment and uh, see if I use this word to Monica what happens. But chances are, though, if uh, 
if anybody else is in the room, they'll probably all know who it is and what I'm talking about. She'll be very confused. <laughs> but we'll see. So anyway, until next week, when we will be reviewing History of Evil and uh, all the grand fussiness that is in it, wherever you go and whatever you do, be good, be safe, and always have many pleasant nightmares. <laughs>